It's all about hitting the reset button. <sighs> the fact that I hit record and that was the first thing that we caught, yeah. we already know where this is going. Welcome in to episode number six of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. My name is Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we are back for week number six on the show. Matt McAuliffe's week number two in studio. I mean, I don't know how you dealt with all the paparazzi that you got with after your first episode. But, unbelievable. Uh, how, did, how did you handle it? Couldn't even go to class. Couldn't even go. Pictures yeah. everywhere. It was it was whatever. Hand got a little sore? Yeah. Signing I, all the autographs? I know. I had to I just I had to wear a hat and sunglasses and I managed to make it to class. Man, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough because you're 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 known more for your, your good hair and not as much for hats. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you battled through. I it was tough. Yeah. <laughs> so um we have a huge episode today for you. Uh it's the Quinnipiac men's hockey episode. Uh we talked to head coach Rand Pecknold and senior captain Chase Prisky, two fantastic interviews that we're gonna get to in a sec. But quickly we want to go through everything that happened in Quinnipiac Athletics. It's the week that was. <laughs> The field hockey team managed to get two wins this weekend. They beat Temple 5-2 to two and beat Holy Cross 4-3 to three in overtime, Dan. So a good uh, end to the season there for the Quinnipiac field hockey team. Huge. The women's soccer team traveled to Siena for their MAC quarterfinal matchup. They unfortunately dropped that game 2-1, to one, so that ends their MAC championship hopes. Uh, the one goal, Matt, came from Kelsey Goldring on a penalty shot, so uh, a tough loss there, but a solid season nonetheless for the Bobcats women's soccer team. Yeah, they definitely shouldn't hang their heads. I mean, they were they were in it, they were in the standings, they were competitive all season long, and it, it just so happened that the ball didn't roll their way. The men's soccer team traveled to Marist, and this team, Dan, all they do is win, man. They won one to nothing at Marist. Rashawn Daly put the only goal home. And Matt, they've been a uh, strong team all season long, and as a result of their efforts, they now get a first round bye in the MAC tournament. So they've been cooking in MAC play all season long. They had that five game winning streak earlier in the season, and now they get a first round bye to get ready for their playoff action. And this is big for Eric Tacosta's boys because when you get the first round bye, you get to look at the competition, and that can give you an extra edge for that championship. And Matt, another big accomplishment for the Bobcats. For the first time in program history, the Bobcats volleyball team took down the Fairfield Stags this past weekend. It was three sets to two. It went five sets. If you were in the gym, it was electric. It was back and forth. What a game to watch. The men's and women's cross-country teams both finished fourth in the MAC championship meet, and that concludes both of their seasons, Dan. And yeah, Matt, for the men's side, uh, that was their best finish since the 2014 season when they came in third. So uh, an unbelievable season for both cross-country teams. Two great wins for the women's hockey team to start off conference play. The first win came against Brown 4-0. And then they responded Saturday afternoon with a 2-0 win over Yale. They're getting geared up for another weekend set this coming weekend. And uh, looking ahead to some of the action coming up in Bobcats Nation for the upcoming week, the men's soccer team plays their final regular season game of the season today, the day that this episode drops at 1 p.m. when they're playing Monmouth. Volleyball has a home matchup Saturday at 1 p.m. against Marist and Sunday against Siena at 1 p.m. as well. And Dan, every win towards the end of the season sets them up for playoffs. Absolutely. And you can't look at a better way to head into the weekend than with the win they had last weekend. So a week's worth of practice in there for Chris Zaplinski's squad. They're looking to come back with a couple of wins this weekend. 
The women's hockey team continues ECAC hockey play against Harvard at home on Friday and then against Dartmouth at home on Saturday. Of course, they're sitting at 2-0 right now uh, in ECAC hockey play. They had a great weekend outscoring their opponents 6-0, and they're going to look to continue that success this weekend. No better feeling than starting 4-0 in conference play. You Absolutely. could not set yourself up any better. And finally, uh, the last team on our rundown and the one that we're going to be focusing on in today's episode is the men's ice hockey team. They finished up a sweep against non-conference AIC last weekend, winning Friday night's game up in West Springfield before coming back to Hanman and winning 9-2 to on Saturday. The hat trick coming for Alex Whalen. 18 players in total had points, I believe. But this weekend, Matt, the boys are on the road again. Where are they? Just can't wait to get on the road again. They will be at Harvard Friday night, Dan, at 7 p.m., and Dartmouth Saturday at 7 p.m., and for this men's ice hockey team, they're still undefeated. Let's see if they can stay hot. They're absolutely cooking so far, and on today's episode, we talked to Coach Rand Pecknold and Captain Chase Prisky just about that. What's been so successful for this team this year? What are they doing right? What do they think they can still maybe improve upon? What have they seen from this freshman class? And, I mean, when we talk to both of, those, both of these guys, they have the same conclusion that... This is a pretty special bunch so far. It was. And they are a special bunch. They are 5-0 and right now, and they need to keep the identity of the team strong and where they want it because, like we mentioned last week with the women's episode, this is ECAC hockey. These teams are going to expose your mistakes, so you have to stay flawless. So without any further ado, let's talk to the head coach of the Quinnipiac men's hockey team, Rand Pecknold. <laughs> And we're back here on episode number six of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, and we're honored to be joined by the 25th year head coach of the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team, Rand Pecknold. How are you today, coach? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, so we got a chance to talk to Chase earlier in this episode. Um, first of all, on him, I mean, he's now uh, in the second year as a captain of this program. You know, on and off the ice, what, is, what does he bring for you guys? Well, Chase, as a player, I mean, he's a great player. He's really worked at his game, uh, kind of came in as an offensive D and, and has upheld that throughout all four years. He's, he's been a really high-end offensive player uh, in the NCAA and what we expected and, and has really worked to kind of round out his defensive side of his game and his penalty killing. And, and I've been really happy with the, the jump he took last year and then this year. And, you know, it's setting him up nicely for, uh, for pro hockey. In terms of off the ice, um, not quite a four zero, but pretty close. Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I know it's close. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's going to graduate or graduated in three years, already starting his MBA, M might even come close to finishing it. Like pretty impressive to do six years of schooling and four, um, you know, but just a, uh, an A plus character kid works his tail off. Great leader, great everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't say enough good things about him. Yeah. We, we found out yesterday that he was, uh, he was nominated for, uh, the senior class award, I believe is what it's called. Uh, which is, is kind of that exact same thing, uh, characteristics on and off right. the ice. So, um, just continues to earn that. But, uh, in terms of you, I kind of, I, I want to take it back to the beginning because I mean, when you came here in 1994, take over for Jim Armstrong, you know, the program was, you were still up at the Northford Ice Pavilion. The program was still kind of finding its legs. I, I believe the, the season before, eight or ten wins that the team had. So what was Quinnipiac hockey when you when you first came here? Well, actually, my, my first year we were still at, we were at Hamden. We were, Northford wasn't even built yet. That oh, was, wow, okay. That came later. That okay. came later. We went Hamden to East Haven and then Northford. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that first year, like we, uh, I mean, it was it was a tough year. You know, we, we I didn't even have enough kids try out um, for the team and, 
Um, I remember we had like 17 skaters and like 12 goalies try out. And uh, I literally remember asking the goalies if any of them could had ever played out before because <laughs> we could, you know, we were going to cut, we were going to cut a bunch of goalies. But right. uh, it was just a crazy year. I think we practiced at midnight. Um, we actually, for like two weeks, we had to practice at 4.30 in the morning. It was just, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was Division three hockey and... You know, program was a little bit in disarray, and uh, we had to get some things straightened out. And um, you know, so that first year was tough. I think we won. One, I won one game out of our first 14, and then we, we did okay at the end. I think we went five and three towards the end. And then the second year, we brought in 19 freshmen, and 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 we were kind of off and running from there. We had to kind of restock the program and right. kind of build our culture. And um, you know, we, we took some uh, different steps as we went along the way. After four years, we went Division One. At that point, we were at, at Northford by that point. And then and the, the big jump was once we built this rink here, and, and we, that's been huge for us. So you mentioned it off the bat, building culture. And that's one of the things that Chase has talked about and, and really everybody that's come in contact with you as a coach. What is the culture of Quinnipiac Hockey? What are you, what are you trying to impart on your players and build the program around? Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to define culture, and it's you know it's not a simple answer. Uh, if I tried to simplify it, I, I would probably leave it more as – that you have you have kids doing the right thing, making the right decision when no one's watching them. Um, I think in our day and age, there's a there's a lot of kids out there, in that you know males in the 18 to 25 year old bracket that will that will will do the right thing when they know mom or dad's watching them or a coach is watching them or a teacher or a grandparent or what have you or someone's gonna pat them like hey nice job they want that you know they want they're doing it for a reason to get reinforcement. Right. True character is a kid that's doing it and not doesn't need to get reinforced. They're selfless. Um, and, and you need to build that because um, a lot of kids have it within them, but a lot of these players have become great players because they've, they've been selfish to a certain extent. They've been selfish about wanting to score goals, wanting to be the best player. They have a drive, um, and you need to translate. You need to let them allow them to have a certain amount of selfishness to still be a great hockey player, but also have them be selfless to, to contribute to the team. And, and there's a lot of different ways to teach that and, and, and enforce that and kind of encourage that I guess would probably be a better term uh but the easiest way is to recruit higher character kids right um I mean this year's team coming in with uh with nearly half the roster's worth of freshmen that's kind of the same thing that you mentioned kind of restocking the the program in a sense but how have you seen them develop within this culture within the first few weeks because I mean you know five and oh start is, is something to be proud of but what have you seen from from this freshman class so far yeah, it's a it's a really talented class hockey wise, and and a, and a very a very good class from a character perspective. A lot of a lot of really good kids in that class, and high character, selfless, willing to make sacrifices for the betterment of the team, and um, and that's all well and good. But you need to have your returning your older players, not just your captains and in, in Prisky and Davidson, but your other players too that that show them that that's that's what we do, that's how we operate, and that's how we win. Um, and then. You know, once you get that that culture established a little bit, it's then it's the next step is to get them to buy into our identity. You know, this is how we play as a team. These are our core identity principle points, and when we play to those, we play to that identity. We hit those four points. Um, good things will happen, and we'll get rewarded. So I kind of want to move backward a couple years briefly because there's a there's a lovely poster sitting right behind you right now. That's from the uh, 2013 Frozen Four in Pittsburgh. So uh, the teams of a couple years prior consistently now your program is an NCAA tournament contender what made that what made those teams so special um I mean every team's different but um you know if you go back to that uh 2012-13 team that was you know number one in the country a frozen four we lost in the national championship game like that was a great team it was 
a uh, lot of a lot of really good players, um, really good senior class that year. I think we had ten or eleven seniors that all kind of bought in. Um, we also had a couple kids that, you know, to be honest, had just been okay for three years as players, and then had a big jump and had this monster senior season and really. Uh, and probably a lot of that was, I think, they're, they're, those, for the couple of those kids I'm thinking of, their buy-in jumped up. You know, they were always kind of half in, and then that senior they were all in. And then, uh, you know, we had some, some good younger players in, in Pekka and the Twins, the Jones Twins and have you. But uh, And Hartzell had the big year. You know, he was probably the best player in the country. Should have won the Hobie and got the runner-up for it. But um, So every, every team's different, but, I mean, obviously you need to have a ton of talent. Uh, you got to have buy-in, and I think we do have a, a really good culture and a really good system in place that if the kids are buying in, like we're going to, we're going to win a lot of games, and I also think we we play kind of a unique style. Like, it's it's hard to play against us. We're not vanilla. Um, a lot of teams in the NCAA are, are, are very vanilla, and um, and you get you figure out how to beat them, you know, and then you play us, and it's you got to change a lot of things because we're unique. What what makes your program so unique, so not vanilla, the, the Neapolitan, if you will? Well, there, there's a lot of things, but we don't really we don't really share that information. Hey, fair enough. We, we like to make teams figure it out on their own, yeah. but, but there, are, there are definitely uh, – uh, there are some things that we do that, that, that we're one of two or three teams in the country that will do this in a certain area or one of maybe only team to do this. And, right. Um, you know, it's by design. Like, I, I think it helps us win, but I, I think it's also it makes it really difficult to play against us. I think our league, the ECAC, is a great league. There's there's 12 really good teams in there, but, you know, 10 or 11, they, they play all the same way. Uh, right, yeah, and then, of course. And then you play us, and it's it's different, you know, and, 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 it, and teams struggle with that, and that's sometimes we, why we do well against hockey's teams and – you know, last year and this year out of conference, we've done really well the last few years because it's they just don't see us a lot and we play a unique style. What have you What have you seen from those those hockey East teams in preseason play that may be a little different from the ECAC uh, competition you see in the league? Um, it just depends on which which team you're playing. If you're, you're playing BCBU, you know, there's first round draft picks all over the place, right? You know, so you know BC has Wallstrom who who played for me at the Worlds at the under eighteen World Championships. I mean. He's a year or two away from from being in the NHL on the Islanders power play. You know, he's not just going to be in the, he's going to be a high end NHL guy. Yeah. So, and we haven't played BU yet this year. We have them later in the year, but we played them last year. They've got four first rounders. You know, it's so I think if you're playing those top couple teams, it's 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 really impressive uh, amount of talent. Um, if you're playing the, you know, the middle of the pack teams in the Hockey East, I mean, they're all good. They've all got really high end skill. The goaltending is excellent. Um, it's not that different from the ECAC. The style is not that different, but just a little bit in certain areas. And it's more about, um, you know, we might not be as familiar with those teams. And um, you just have to be prepared for anything. So now 25 years under your belt here at Quinnipiac. From a personal standpoint, has has the NHL or a professional league ever crossed your mind? Yeah, yeah. I've had, you know, I've had some conversations before with, with NHL teams, and but... You know, like I, I have a great situation here. Um, you know, Quinnipiac, uh, you know, is, is my home. My, my, my wife and my four kids, we love living in the area. And, you know, as, as much as the NHL is, is sexy and fun and would be <laughs> great, uh, there's not a lot of job security. You know? Yeah. And, and, and if you if you want to go down that path uh, as a parent, like you won't see you don't see your kids. You know, and my kids are age five to 13 and I want to be around for them. And even with the schedule I have, I'm not as around as much as I want, but you know, when you're playing uh, 82 game regular season plus 10 exhibition plus playoffs, and um, like you, you literally barely see your kids, so that's not something that I want to do. Um, and on the flip side, like I have a, I have a great situation where I am. You know, like uh, Quinnipiac takes care of me. I have, I have a very nice contract. They've been very generous. John Leahy and Mark Thompson and, and Jack McDonald and Greg Amodio, the, the new AD, have been great to me. And um, I, you know, I love my job. I love what I do. And 
you know, the grass isn't always necessarily greener on the other side of the fence. There you go. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's as easy as you love. You love walking in every day and doing what you do right now. No reason to change that. Absolutely. Um, so what does what does an average day look like for you when you when you come into the rink? Just a, a practice day. What does a, a nine to five look like for you? Um, and every day is different. Yep. But, um, you know, we, we got to you got to plan practice. Sometimes I do it the day before. Usually, I, we, you know, we practice usually in the 11, 1130 range. So I usually do it in the morning. Uh, think about on my drive and what we want to do. I ask my assistants for feedback, what they want to do, what they think we need to do. I've either asked them either the night before or that day usually. Um, and then, you know, you, you're, you're watching video from the previous day. It's if like this week we're getting ready for Harvard so and Dartmouth. So you're, you're watching a lot of video on them. Um, I try to get ahead of the game. So if it's, you know, like we, we've got Harvard Dartmouth this week, we'll get everything done for them. And, and we've got RPI Union next week. I'll, I'll focus on that Thursday, Friday, because we've, we've already covered everything. Um, I try to be ahead of <laughs> ahead of it by a week, yeah. at least sometimes two weeks. Yeah, of course. Um, sometimes we'll be two weeks out and already watching video. But uh, early in the week, it's, it's getting ready for that Friday opponent. And that's what we focus on as a team. As a coach, I need to be ready for Saturday's opponent. We don't really have our guys focus on that because we want to focus on Friday and we'll, we'll deal with the Saturday game at Friday night after it's done. But you certainly want to be aware and, and know what they're good at and their tendencies and how we need to adapt to who we're playing. How important is that, the preparation? I mean, you're saying the, these two weeks. I mean, you know, how, how important is that for you to get a, to get that edge that early on your, your ECAC opponents? Um, I, I think it's big. You yeah. know, and I think as a staff, uh, Billy and Joe um, – my two assistants and, and Sean Roach, our video coach, and Jared, our, our goalie coach, I think we we definitely do more than most teams do. Um, you know, do we have to do that? I, I don't know, but we do it, and, and we, we have a really good winning record over the last 20 years of doing that. There so you we're going to continue to do that. Um, but I, I, I think we're overprepared, um, and I, I like that. I like to have our team overprepared, and, and a lot of times it's we, we gather knowledge as coaches, and then we have to decide do we want to – disseminate that to our players or not sometimes we pull back and we just save it for our own knowledge but um we definitely um more than over prepare would probably be a better term and we've always done that and um it seems to suit us well and lastly for your um your upcoming series you've been you've been prepared now for weeks what can we expect from this Quinnipiac team that they can that you guys can either continue from the five and zero stretch or that you can possibly change a little bit? What can we see from your team? Well, we you know I mean it's great we're five and zero, but we need to get better. Right. Um, you know we're we're young and immature, and um, you know we haven't been perfect through those five games. You know like BC we found a way to win, but you know we we sat back we were way too passive in the third period. Like we got to still play offense and go score that second goal and third goal and put BC away. Um, the Friday AIC game we did not play well. Uh, Andrew Shortwood was great in net. Um, you know, UConn, we were really good the whole night. Uh, only gave up 13 shots, which is which is an amazing stat. Uh, but um, you know, we didn't finish our chances. We should that should have been a 6-1 game, and instead it was you know 3-2 uh, late in the game. So um, and then Vermont, we weren't great. You know, we were per we found a way to tie it with the goalie pulled, and Keith did a, had a really good game that game and kept us in it, but we didn't finish our chances and. Uh, we found a way to tie it and win it with 15 seconds. OD and made a big time play, but so it's not a it's not a perfect five and zero. Oh. Right, know, we could be three and two right now. Um, and the, the big thing that we have to focus on is like we need to get better. Our freshmen need to get better uh, physically, athletically. They need to get stronger and better and, and work on their skating and all those skills that they need to get better at. And I think I think maturity wise, we got a long way to go. But uh, we'll take the five and zero oh start. Um, you know, probably a big thing I think coming up too. Like we got to learn how to deal with adversity better. We haven't had a lot of it yet. But it's going to come. It might be Friday night against Harvard. It might be Saturday against Dartmouth. But it's going to come, and um, that's going to be a big challenge with such a young and immature team. It, it just 
young kids don't handle adversity that well usually. So that's been a big focal point. We've, we've done okay to this point, but there's going to be more coming our way and, you know, injuries are going to kick in and, you know, then that's, that's even more adversity. So, um, you know, I think our two goalies have been great and have really bailed us out of situations and hopefully that continues, but we need to play better in front of them. And some of those things, I mean, the, the maturity and dealing with adversity, those really just kind of come with experience. So, I mean, those will come as you start to get into this, this ECAC hockey grind, those will start to probably develop for the, for these younger players. I'm, I'm, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. It's, yeah. you need experience. And you know, once you've been in a situation multiple times, you, you tend to handle it better and you just, you know, we've got kids, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, it's five one six at the end of the game and the other team pulls their goalie, like they're, they haven't been in that spot in college where they probably did it at younger ages, but this is just a different experience for them. Or, you know, some guys have to, maybe they played center their whole life. Now they're playing right wing or left wing. They have to learn new things, but, uh, but I've been really happy. The work ethic's been great. The buy-in's been great. The kids are competing hard. And like I said earlier, the goaltending has been really good. Big things coming. Yep. Um, so before we go, I ask a couple of these questions uh, to each of our guests. They're they're the real thinkers, you know. I mean, you talk Quinnipiac hockey every day, but these are the ones that, that really get your brain moving. Yep. So the first one, uh, if you could live anywhere in the world that is not Hampton, Connecticut, because, of course, we would all want to be here, where would it be and why? Uh, and I was retired from hockey? Sure, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. You have, you have freedom to travel and be wherever you want. Yeah, I, I would go to Bali. Really? I go to Bali, yeah. Okay. I, uh, my wife and I went there years ago uh, when we didn't have kids. Like, right after we got married, it was it was awesome. Like wow. It was, I'll be 80 years old, and they'll say, where's the best place you've, been, where's the best place you've ever went to? And I'll say Bali. Love wow, it. it took yeah. the cake right off the it bat. It was fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second question. Uh, you can have dinner with one person, alive or deceased, or one of each if you can't pick. Uh, who would it be and why? Ooh. Wow, that's a. I mean, there's a lot of options there. Yeah. Um, just throwing out with you, I, one out with you, I'd probably say Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Yeah. That's that is a good. Maybe one. Thomas so, Jefferson. I don't know. Those are. Yeah. But two. you're you're thinking somebody uh, a presidential somebody somebody one of our founding fathers. Essentially. I, I would. Yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. Something like that. I guess if I thought longer, I might. I might come up with, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Johann Gutenberg who invented the printing <laughs> press or some some guy who invented something really cool. Like yeah. that, that, you know, the printing press changed the world. Yeah. Um, you know, but people kind of overlook how, how important an invention that was. But um, I don't know, something like that. I, if you give me more time, I'd probably come up with a couple yeah. more. Hey, I mean, well, we'd yep. love to have you back if you think of, if you yep. think of a different one. But yep. uh, uh, the final one. So uh, you've been put on death row. What is your final meal, your dinner, your drink and your dessert? Oh. I don't know. I don't. I don't really think like thinking about being on death row because I probably did something bad to get there. Uh, I don't know. I'm. 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 I love my French fries. I guess. Okay. Because um, sometimes people will go with something either from their hometown or I mean I haven't anybody haven't had anybody say something from the calf or the concession stand, but you could go with one of those. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a big French fry guy, so I okay. have to go fries and 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 maybe pepperoni pizza and. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, uh, I quit Diet Coke, so that's out now. Uh, I, I don't know what I'd go for. I, I don't know what I'd go for a drink. But, yeah, um, I'd probably figure something out. Yeah, of course. That uh, I love it. Um, and just extra fries, maybe for dessert. Yeah. You know, just just add, add some yep. extra on. Well, Coach Pecknold, thank you so much for for taking the time, and and best of luck going to ECAC hockey play. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much to Rand Pecknold for joining us here in episode number six of the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast. Next up, it's the captain of the Bobcats, Chase Prisky. Let's hear from him. And we're back here on episode number six of the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast. And we're joined by the senior defenseman and captain of your Quinnipiac Bobcats men's hockey team, Chase Prisky. Chase, how are you today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining us. We're also joined by co-host Matt McAuliffe. We're tag team of the interview today. We are. We're excited. Uh, this is kind of bringing back some from the bleachers days. Uh, so Chase, uh, you mentioned to us last year when we got a chance to interview you on our radio show that you're you're not a huge media guy, not not a ton of media experience. Is that is that still the case? About a year later. Uh yeah, I think I'd say so. Besides for post game interviews, yeah, haven't really uh, been in the media too much. But I kind of kind of like being on the podcast with you guys. You guys make me feel comfortable. Oh wow! Well, there you go. How about that? That's I mean, it. We do have that that kind of feeling, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't hate it. Um, what what kind? I mean, what's the what kind of questions are you getting for post game? Do you get the same like five six questions all the time? I'm uh, sure it's like you know what do you what are your thoughts on the game? How the freshmen do that kind of stuff? Yeah, they they seem to be. I don't want to say repetitive because every game is different, but right. uh, they they seem to have the same theme for a lot of them. Okay. Uh, and sometimes I feel like me, my, uh, like when I respond, I'm repetitive, which I don't want to be. Right. But sometimes I feel like the questions are very similar. Yeah. So it's uh, they, like they don't have differentiating factors. But okay. Besides for that, I think. Uh, think our media team does a pretty good job nice they do got to end, end on a high note yeah they do matt you, matt you always like to go in there and, and add a question in whenever you get the chance i always tell the younger guys yeah when they're in that room because it can be intimidating this is a division one program you're in division one press conference oh yeah and i mean intimidating guy over right. here you always ask at least one question yeah no matter if it's the head coach whether it's an assistant coach whether it's the captain whether it's the player a freshman just try and ask one question it's good practice right exactly yeah also, it says 5'11 on the uh, website for your height. They couldn't have rounded that up for you? You know what? Uh, my freshman year, somehow I got up to 6'1 before, uh, <laughs> before the draft. And then uh, talking to a lot of teams, they ended up calling me out on that. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, freshman year, I started at 5'10. And just every month or so, I grew an inch. Interesting. So it was the end of the season, and I was 6'1". There you go. And then uh, started sophomore year, is back to 5'11". So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where, I mean, uh, it's been the recipe for success so far. So um, we want to start. Um, you end up at Quinnipiac. Uh, you know, I'm sure that you were, that was a, a long process for you. So why Quinnipiac? What made you want to want to come here and play your college hockey here? You know what? Uh, I'll actually tell you the story of how I ended up committing to Quinnipiac. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yes. So I uh, I moved away from Florida when I was 15. I moved up to Connecticut. And uh, when I moved up, I went to a boarding prep school. And first day of practice, we came in as a team, and the coach said, write down the top three schools you want to go to to play college hockey. Setting at. the tone immediately. So he uh, he was a former Division One coach at okay. UConn and Providence. So he had, he a, knew. He yeah. had a great connection of networks of coaches in the Northeast. Yeah, of course. And uh, – Coming from Florida, obviously the only ones I knew were Michigan, BC, and a third one was Bowdoin up in Maine. Okay. Where my mom had played college hockey. Oh, okay. okay. So that uh, the big school was Bowdoin. I kind of knew like I was coming from Florida, like BC and Michigan were just totally out of the picture. So the only school I wrote down was Bowdoin, and I handed it in. I ended up having a meeting with the coach, and he's like, "This is where you want to play." And I go, "Yeah, my mom played there." Like. It's got great academics. I've done the hockey camp for the last four summers. Like, that's really the only place I want to go. We start the season uh, pretty much a month in. Uh, I'm on campus. We had just played a game. Um, and we're getting a tour of the facilities and stuff. And uh, my coach pulls me aside and goes, uh, the coach wants to talk to you. And I'm thinking, I must have stepped on the logo or something. I must have did something to disrespect the team, because why would they pull me aside? So I go up to his office, and I'm sitting in his office, and I've got no clue what to expect. And Rand sits me down, and 
said that he'd love to have me as a part of the team uh, when I finished high school. And you had never heard. And I had never heard of Quinnipiac. <laughs> I had never been to the school. I had I didn't know what league they played in. I, I just had no information about it. And I sat there and I and I listened to him talk and the only thing going through my head was there must be like a camera somewhere. Like this this can't be real. Like this is a prank like show the, kind like, of thing, yeah. Because I knew my, my coach, uh, one of my coaches had previously played for him. They had a connection there. My my current right. coach right. knew him well. So I was like, okay, like they're they're like they're pulling my leg. Like there's gonna be a camera, like they're they're just like getting <laughs> me. And I kept asking him, uh, like, are you serious? Like, is this real? Are you serious? He's like, Yeah, yeah. He must he must have said it ten times, like reassuring me. <laughs> And so whatever, I leave, I, I meet up with my team, uh, get on the bus, we go back, we we get back to school and my coach pulls me aside as we're getting off the bus. He goes, uh, so what did the coach have to say to you? And I go, oh, well, uh, he offered me a roster spot. And uh, obviously that was for when I got to college, but he, yeah, he offered me a spot to, to play on the team. And the coach looked at me and like kind of shook his head and I was like, uh, like, did I hear him? Yeah, wrong? like, like, what's that? <laughs> I was like, what's that look for? I was just so confused. And he's like, like, why are you not more excited? Like, have you? Did you tell your mom? I go, tell my mom what? Like, I, I just had no clue, because it how was much such, it meant. Yeah. yeah, like how much it meant and like how big of a name Quinnipiac was for the area it was in at the time, because that was the year that they went to the Frozen Four. And so uh, I just like coming from such a small market in Florida, like there were only two or three players. That kind of grew up in Florida before me. That that kind of had bigger names. One being Shane Gossespierre, who was at Union, and uh, I just didn't know what to expect. So obviously, like, uh, talked to my mom. She was so excited. We she must have done research on Quinnipiac for two months nonstop. <laughs> uh, got to go to a couple games with uh, with my coaches and my teammates, and just kind of being in that atmosphere at such a young age, and like being able to see how much like the students love being at the game and how hooked. I, yeah, it was like, it was like, why, how couldn't you want to play there? Like you get to walk around campus and it's probably one of the most be beautiful campuses in the Northeast. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to play here? And then coming from an academic standpoint, I didn't learn this until, uh, I enrolled in summer school was that you could be part of the three plus one program and graduate after your junior year, which just sets you up for even more success. You get your master's in four years. Exactly. And, so for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. Like, you're getting some of the best hockey you can play under one of the most respected coaches in college hockey, and you can graduate in three years, and if you decide to stay for your senior year, you can pursue your MBA. Like, it was just such a no-brainer. So I jumped all over the opportunity I got, and I was just so thankful for doing that. And I didn't realize how big of a commitment it was until I kind of stepped foot on campus and realized, like, I was doing it. Yeah, and what, what point did you figure out Oh, this is actually a, a nationally recognized program that I'm I'm jumping into here. I, you know, I really didn't realize it until probably when I first got here. So the year I committed was the year they went to the, fr the their first Frozen Four. Okay, yeah. And so like that one was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So you kind of like I would follow the like f I would follow the team for what it's worth. It, like it's not like Twitter wasn't as big as it was back then. Yeah, like, of as course. It is now right. so. Uh, like, I'd follow the team here and there, and, like, they were doing well, and then, like, they go to the Frozen Four, they go to the national championship game, and it's like, like, wow. Like, like you could actually win a national championship going to Quinnipiac. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not, like, you think of winning a national championship, and you think of your BCs, your BUs, your Michigan, your North Dakota, and they're, like, five of the big schools. 
but you never really think of going to a so-called smaller school and being able to play on such a big stage. And then I realized after that, it's like, okay, like Quinnipiac's kind of a big fish. And then the year after they had success. And then the year after that, they had success. And then I came in my freshman year and there was just no other mindset except for having success in the program. And I think that was like one of the biggest eye openers was like, when you came to practice or even just came to the rink, even if you weren't practicing, like there was a standard that you had to meet every single day. And if you weren't up to that standard, like those seniors would let you know, and they had no regard for your feelings. Like they would just tell you straight up, like you, you are not good enough. And it would just make you play better. And of course, like some people, it kind of breaks you, but for a lot of people, like it, that's what makes diamonds. Like pressure makes diamonds, and and that's why you've seen such a success of Quinnipiac players in the pro ranks in the last four, five, six years. So you're drafted in the sixth round to Washington. Take me through what that phone call was like. What what was it? What was it? What was that feeling knowing that wow, a, a pro team is interested now? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So I had gone through the interview process my f- senior year in high school. Uh, I wasn't on the draft list, but I had met with probably close to 20 teams. So I've done that. I did that interview process, uh, ended up not getting drafted, even though I thought I had a chance of going in the later rounds. Uh, went out to British Columbia, played a year there, didn't have a great year of hockey, uh, and then came to Quinnipiac. And you know what? Like being a third year eligibility guy, it didn't even cross my mind once that like I was going to get drafted. And then I just played the whole season, and then the season ended. And Rand had contacted me like, hey, like all these teams want to interview you, like they want to meet with you. And I didn't really realize that I was still draft eligible. So met with all these met with all the teams. I I was already familiar with the process. So uh, that that went pretty smoothly. And then uh, the day of the draft came and I was in Hamden. Uh, All my teammates came over. We had it on TV. You know, the second round went, the third round went. The fourth round went, <laughs> and after the fourth round, I just uh, like I just left. Like I was like, you know what? Like, it's like I'm not gonna get my hopes up for something that might not happen. So after the fourth round, I left. I went back up to my room. All the guys are still downstairs watching. Oh yeah. Um, I actually I had called my mom. I was like, you know what? I'm so done with this. Like, you know what? It is what it is. If I'm good enough, I'll be able to play at that level one day. And it won't matter if you're drafted or not. That's a good mindset to have yeah, in, in that thinking, moment. You were thinking if it's meant to be, it's kind of Yeah, happen. like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Like they'll find you if you're good enough. And that's always how I've thought of hockey. And so, you know what, I, I grabbed my keys. I was like, you know what, like I'm out. I'm just going to go for dinner by myself. I didn't really want to be with people. And as I walked downstairs, the ticker changed and my name showed up on the board. <laughs> I, didn't, I, had, I didn't receive a call and everyone in the house just went crazy. They were screaming. <laughs> they were jumping. I thought the, the floor of the house was just going to cave in. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really just surreal. It was yeah. like something out of a so movie. You didn't even get a phone call. I didn't even get I a phone call. I asked you what the phone call is like. You didn't even get one. Yeah. That's and wild. so uh, like my name comes up on the TV and they're playing like this highlight reel from, from the season. Yeah. And everyone's like going crazy. And I just like... I didn't even realize it was happening until kind of all these like messages were coming to my phone and I got a call from like uh, my mom. I got a call from um, one of my former coaches who was pretty much a parent to me who I spoke to for an hour after that. And I didn't even receive a call from Washington until like three hours after the draft. (laughs) Wow. And they were like, yeah, like uh, you need to get on a plane tomorrow morning. We've got a camp. 
Oh, sure. There you go. <laughs> oh, okay, no big yeah. Deal. Let me just and, pack my stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, at that point, it was uh, it was a Saturday, and it was like 6 p.m., and I ran over the to the rink, got my stuff, packed it up, and I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm leaving tomorrow for camp. And I had no clue what to expect, and it was... Uh, it was just it was just crazy. It was something out of a movie that uh, I kind of like. There there really are no words for it. Right. But it uh, like you wouldn't believe it if you were there because like like we had no clue I was getting drafted until like my name showed up on the TV and like right. it was just it's crazy. So what's that? Uh, what's that first development camp like? And what are some, what are some of the names that you were that you were seeing around you when when you walked in the building? Oh uh, yeah. So the first development was pretty rocky. Um, <laughs> Because so our season ended middle of April, right? And we'll get to we'll because, also get to because that we played so long, one. yeah. Uh, and I hadn't I hadn't touched the ice because for me the biggest thing was uh, the summer after my freshman year. I really wanted to focus in on becoming stronger, becoming more explosive. So to do that, I needed to take time away from from the ice, and they also take our ice out. So I was right. going to start skating beginning of July. And here it is, end of June. I haven't skated one time since our last game. And I was getting on a plane to go to Washington. Yeah. And it was like the first three days, I felt like the biggest bender because <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And I just felt like my hands and my feet weren't in sync. And you're playing with all these guys that play major junior and they play until the end of May. Right. They're all still in like game shape yeah mid-season form yeah so it, it was just a little different but i mean just overall it was uh just being in that like that atmosphere atmosphere and being able to to see what they do on a on a daily basis and how they how they work and like the, the habits they create at that level is really impressive especially to bring it every day and i think a, a big saying that they have in pros is like being an everydayer it's like you've got to come in and be able to form a routine that you can do every single day and that was like the biggest thing that I took back to school was like I had to form a routine that I could do every single day to prepare myself to be as as good as I could be. So what did your uh, your routine start to look like after after that camp? Yeah, so I'd come back and during the season it would be uh, Monday we've got a lift, uh, so we work out before or after practice. Tuesday I'd go in and do extra speed work or running mechanics just to kind of work on that explosive quick twitch. I would so I would do that and then I do uh, some extra conditioning as well. Wednesday I'd work out again. Uh, Thursday come in in the morning, do some sort of warm up before we went on the ice. Would go on the ice and do more uh, running mechanics and speed work after practice. And then following that, I'd do a whole bunch of soft tissue work and just kind of get my body ready to go for the game. Now, uh, are you on the ice all of these days, or is it just the? Are there specific days where you're on the ice as well? Yeah, so we're on the we're on the ice all those days. So Monday, yeah, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, we Got all it. have practice. Got it. Uh, and we, we kind of tailor that off towards Wednesday, Thursday because we play Friday. So practices aren't as long. They're only probably, say, an hour, hour 15. Right. Uh, but I it was building in all that extra stuff off the ice that really helped me kind of build that machine. Because you're, you're doing something different, but equally as demanding every single day now yeah every day yeah. Uh, I feel like if I don't do it every day then I I've, it just in my mind I feel like I haven't gotten better because everyone shows up for practice practice is the bare minimum that you have to do every day right just to be on the team you've got to do practice oh yeah right so to go in and you've got to get your two workouts a week like that's those are non-negotiables for our team you have to do that okay so besides for that it's like what else can I do to become a better player 
and the coaches, they, they work with you on the ice and our strength coach, Prajesh Patel works with us off the ice, but it's at some point you've got to take the responsibility on yourself. What can I do to make myself better? Okay. So I would do all that stuff off the ice. And then, uh, every Monday and Wednesday, I also get on the ice half an hour early and work on shooting and work on skating. Uh, and that's every week, twice a week. I go with our, out with our D coach and we work. And I just think it's a good way just to kind of fine-tune stuff that you don't really get to do in a practice setting. Because during practice, it's about the team. And it's not about Chase Prisky as an individual. It's about how can we make the team better for team success. And, of course, you get better because you're competing against uh, great players every day. But you, you don't always get to fine-tune skills that are to your benefit. Personalized. Yeah, yeah, so you don't get to work on that stick handling or the passing or work on this shot that you get to use in a game because you're too worried about our line rushes, working on D zone, working on blocking shots, stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's just different. So I think that's, uh, that's the biggest thing I kind of took back from them. Interesting. So you're also, you're going back and getting your master's right now in your, your, your three plus one program. So how are you able to manage all of that work on top of all the hockey? How is your, your time management, uh, and what do you do for that? Yeah, so the 3 plus 1 program has been uh, it's been pretty good so far. So I was actually really fortunate that I only have one class on campus per week. And then I take the rest of my 12 credits online. Uh, but it just gives me kind of the flexibility to get work done early in the week. So when we do go on the road towards the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm not worrying about academics. I get to just uh, hammer the workout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then see. That's interesting to me because I'd be the opposite. I'd be doing work on road trips, like on the bus. Yeah, and and see, that's uh, it's just I think it's kind of more of a personal like for that stuff because okay. I know yeah. I know some guys that they're so good about uh, like if they have a paper to write. The minute we get on the bus, headphones are in and they're writing that paper. Oh wow, yeah. And they get their work done and then they're hanging out. Uh, for me. Uh, I just have never been able to do that. Like when I'm on the bus, I can nap anywhere. And the minute that bus, the minute the bus such goes down oh the hill, God. I am passed out. <laughs> and I will, will not wake up until we get wherever we're going. Down the hill. <laughs> down the hill and you see ya. Exactly. And so, it's, uh, and so for me, it, it's kind of a blessing because the road trips go by really quick. But uh, I know if I've got work to do, it just will not get done until we get back Sunday. And it just, uh, I don't really like having to do all the work on Sunday. Sunday, I just like hanging out and watching football, watching sports. Yeah. And of course. Just yeah. hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. Average, average American male. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the season, because I know, I mean, great start to the season so far for you guys. You come in as a freshman. You see that every season you're, you're succeeding, your team is succeeding, and then return to the Frozen Four. Get all the way to the national championship game after winning the ECAC championship. I mean, as a freshman, that's, first of all, got to be an unbelievable experience for you. But what are you able to gain from, from a season like that? You thought the lights were bright in the ECAC. <laughs> Try making it all the way to Frozen Four. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the freshman year, it, was, it went by so quickly. Just uh, we just we it, it was crazy how we went into every game and we just knew we were going to win. You couldn't lose. It, was, it wasn't a question it of— It did not matter yeah. how many goals we were down by going into the third period. We were going to win, it, and it didn't— it didn't phase anyone. It wasn't a question of whether they were going to win or lose. It was how much are they going to win by? Tonight? Yeah, are they yeah. are they covering the hypothetical <laughs> yeah. spread? That was the, that was, was like, the question. Yeah, yeah. It was, and I think the biggest game for me that I'll never forget is uh, we were playing at Dartmouth, <laughs> and it's we go into the locker room after the second period and it's five to two. We're losing. Yeah, 
And I'm just kind of looking around, and not one person is kind of like head down. Yeah, like yeah, head no. down. They're not <laughs> upset. The guys are guys are kind of joking around. They're like, "Oh, okay. Like we'll just go turn it on." And like I was like, I on that team, I wasn't the guy that they'd put out there. And so for me, I would have the best seat in the house, being able to see these guys <laughs> go out there and score goals. And it's like, oh, okay, like they'll probably go get one or two on the power play if we're lucky and we get those calls. But if not, like to score three goals and even get a tie is pretty tough. And you know what? Uh, bang, 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 three goals in five minutes. <laughs> Sam Annis just, po- just pops them all in. And we're like sitting there and we're just kind of laughing. And then we score two more, and now it's 7-2. We just had a f- five goals unanswered, and it was like we get in the locker room, and obviously, like, Rand's not happy. Like, we should never let in five goals. But the ability to come back and just to have that confidence and, like, the positive m- mindset of, like, oh, okay, like, we're losing now, but we're going to go win. Yeah. And just to have that firepower just for them to just be like, okay, we'll go turn it on now and we'll <laughs> go score. And I don't think – I don't want to get the the wrong impression that sometimes they went out there and didn't try to. Oh score. no 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 not at all. But I mean, there are some days you just start slow. That's but that's it was the nature it was almost like you knew the goals were coming before we even got the power play. Like they would set up and you'd be like, okay, like St. Dennis is going to score right now, and it would be it would move around. It'd go Clifton to Taze to Sam to St. Dennis, and then it was in the back of the net. Yeah. And then the next time it would go Taze to St. Dennis to Annis in the back of the net, <laughs> and like it was just. It was robotic how they could score. Yeah, and so for that season, like, it just seemed every game was like that, where we knew we were gonna win, and like even at home, at home it was even easier. It felt like yeah, at home it like we had our crowd behind us. Like there was no way you were gonna lose at home. Oh yeah, and I think the one game we did lose at home against BU. Yeah, that was like, it was like the end of the world. <laughs> but we knew we were gonna go win the next game. Yeah. It was, it was just crazy how how positive guys were and how confident they were in each other, which was the biggest thing. And I just think after my freshman year, it was like, man, how can we get that back? Because we lost such a great senior class and we lost a two great juniors in that class as well. So it was like, what can we do to uphold that standard now? So you go on, you beat Harvard four to one in the ECAC championship. You beat RIT, you beat UMass Lowell in the regionals, and then you beat BC in the semis. But you run into this North Dakota team. Yeah. Which, by the way, I was looking through the roster, is absolutely loaded. I think they had probably close to 10 NHLers on that roster. I mean, Drake Kajula, Nick Schmaltz, Brock Besser, Tucker Pullman. Troy I, Stetcher. Yep. Yeah. That's just, I mean, first of all, just going toe-to-toe against a team like that. But, I mean, and, and also, I mean, the number of professionals that you had on your team and yeah. hopefully future professionals that you had on that team. Yeah. But, um, I mean, coming into that game now, what are, you, what are you seeing from a North Dakota team there? And what's, your, what's the mindset going into a game like that? You know, we, we had the, mind, the same mindset. Like, yeah. we were just going to go in and just play hockey. Like, we knew, like, we had shut out, I think we shut out BC the game before. No, maybe they did score. Quick check, keep going. Quick check, but you know what? <laughs> what whatever the score the was, it was down. like it was like you know what? Like we're gonna go BPC, and we did that. Yeah, and yeah. I think they had ten NHLers or twelve NHLers, Pretty whatever close. they had. Yeah. And then we get up to North Dakota, and it's like, yeah, like we're equally matched. Nothing's changing. Nothing yeah. has changed. Like we're just gonna go win this game, and yeah. it'll just be another game that we go out and win. And obviously, we didn't get the bounces we wanted, but 
Uh, like if we had a healthy Sam Annis, I think that game's changed. I think you go back and watch, we hit four posts. Like yep. those are game changers. Uh, I think uh, Garteg comes out and puts one right into Brock Besser's belly and he puts it into an empty net. Like uh, I think just the dominoes weren't falling our way that game. I think any other game, uh, I think we win. And there's no doubt in my mind that we win. <laughs> also, so, yeah, quickly yeah. looking at this. It was 3-2, by the way. That was the score. Was it 3-2? Against uh, Alex Tuck, Ian McCaution, Thatcher Demko, who's a future one, Scott Sa- uh, Steve Santini. Yeah, so either, either way. Miles Woods. I still, yeah. I still think the culture of that team and the attitude of that team is what you want and expect and what Rand wants from the team every year. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it, it's you know what Rand preaches it a lot about holding your each other accountable, right? But it gets to a point where you can't keep hearing it from the coaches. Sooner or later, it's got to be upheld upheld by the players, right? And I think that's like the Rand is really big on talking about culture. And if anyone hasn't listened to his post game interviews or just interviews in general, he preaches how the culture can easily be permeated throughout the locker room, and that culture, good or bad, is a game changer. Because if you have just a couple bad apples that don't want to pull the rope in the right direction, then those two guys affect two more guys. And then those two more guys have an effect on two more guys. And now you're looking, now it's six guys, or now it's eight guys, now it's 10 guys. And now your room's split on what they want to do. 10 guys want to go out there and do things the right way, and 10 guys want to just go out there and just get through the day. They just want to get practice done with. Just they just want to get to the game, and I think that's the that's the craziest thing is because you don't really l- realize how high character some guys are until they're not there anymore, and that was the biggest thing with like Garteg. Like he didn't have a letter, but he wa- he didn't hesitate one time to tell you how bad you were at practice. Like he just he wanted to see you play great every Step single up, day, yeah. and there I don't think there was a day in practice you'd score more than five goals on him. Like he brought it every single day, and that's what that's what you needed. And that was the same with like Devon. Devon was more of a silent leader, but he led by example. Like he would never call you out, but he was always doing the right thing, always, whether you were looking or you weren't. And then that's like the same thing with St. Dennis. I remember my first day of practice, ever putting the jersey on. We go out and we have a captain's practice, and the puck gets dumped to my side, and I'm going back to retrieve the puck, and St. Dennis pokes out my leg. And I fall right into the boards and he takes it, goes in and scores on like a little quick rush from behind the net. And he just looks at me and goes, you're going to need way more than that if you're going to play at this level. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, I was like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, I just felt like I was outmatched. Yeah. But then it, it gets to the point where you're practicing with those guys every day and like... It, Sam, it, the excellence breeds itself. It, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to get beat this time. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, you would get matched up against, like, we, we just had so much firepower that year that it was like, okay, if, if I wasn't getting matched up against St. Dennis, I'm getting matched up against Annis. And you just don't want to get embarrassed. Like, your whole team's watching, your coaches are watching. Like, you don't want to be out there getting embarrassed on a daily basis. Like, you've got to step your game up now. And I think that's just, like, and now that if I'm get, stepping my game up as a freshman, like, they've got to step their game up to make sure that I look like a freshman. And then it's just like the constant battle back and forth. And you don't realize how much better you get until you look a year a year back and you're like, wow, like I got so much better. Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest thing. So now you have 12 freshmen on this year's team. Are you pushing these guys like you were pushed as a freshman? 
Uh, I like to think so. I mean, I <laughs> I definitely am not uh, not scared to let them know what I'm thinking. Kind I of, yeah. I, le- I let them know. Yeah. Uh, just because having 12 freshmen, it's a little more than a little less than half our roster, and especially like you dress 19 players a night. If nine of them play, that's half your team. And you come in as a freshman, and I don't care if you were the highest scorer in the BCHL, the highest scorer in the USHL, it's a different animal coming to college. Yeah. Like you're playing a roster full of men that have played at this level and that are just as good as you. And so and probably better. Yeah. And yeah. you definitely play players that are better. Yeah. And so uh, like you have half your roster come in and like that'll be the big thing this Friday night versus Harvard is like they've never played in an ECAC game. They don't know what it means to take away those two points. Because it, every point is a game changer. Yeah. And that was the difference for us last year, whether we had home ice advantage or uh, playing on the road at Yale. One point was all that mattered. And so it, it, that's a tie. That's a win. That's a loss. Like, so every game matters, and like, they won't realize that until the season's done. And by the time it's done, you can't get it back. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to preach now is you can't get g- games back. Like, if you don't show up for five games on the season, like, you're talking about 10% of your whole season you played poorly and how they just need to bring it every day. And so, like, I try to do my best to lead, but it's not just me because I've got a letter. Like, I have such great support from my my leadership group, I always say. And I'd classify that as seniors and juniors because they do such a good job of – pushing the pace every day and bringing the tempo and, and bringing the energy to practice and making sure guys know, like, that's not good enough. Like, we expect more from you. Yeah. And and rightfully so, they should expect more from themselves. Like, just to come in and play shouldn't be good enough. You should want to come in and play and be a game changer. You should come in and play and want to be on the power play. You should want to play PK. You should be want to be the guy that ran taps on the shoulder with 30 seconds left in a game, a one-goal game to go keep the puck out of our net and play sound defensively. You know what I mean? And it's always striving for like, what can I do next? And I think that's the biggest mindset for our team is like, what can I do next? What can I do to get better? 5-0 and start to the season. Seems like they've been executing that decently well. What have you seen? Yeah, you know what they have. They're, uh, they're, they're just, they're a great class from top to bottom. Like they listen so well and they absorb information so coach they're coachable they're very they're very coachable good and and they listen and they care and i think the biggest thing is that they care yeah because if they didn't care they would just do what they want to do but they really do care and that and it shows and i think they don't necessarily notice it all the time but for us to get on them shows that we care because if we didn't care we would just let them go on their merry way, and if they wanted to be good, then they, they'd be good. And if not, then you just let them keep embarrassing. Oh well, they yeah. can just they can just be there. Yeah, and that's that's a tough balance to have too, because I mean, twelve freshmen coming in—that's like you said, almost half your roster right off the bat. Yeah. So if you have a group of twelve freshmen that are collectively just like, yeah, no, we're just going to be the inmates running the asylum, and we don't really care what any of these older guys think. I mean. That's that's not going to fly, but you're not seeing that at all. No, no, I, I totally agree. Like that, that's a recipe for chaos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it, they, uh, they they just do a really good job, and I think they do a good job of monitoring themselves as a class, because I know they let each other know, like, hey, like you didn't do anything extra today. Like, why was that? 
why were you the first one off the ice? Why were you the first one to leave the arena? And, like, you never want to be called out for that because that just doesn't look good on your character. Like, why were you the first one to leave the arena 20 minutes after practice ended? Why were you the first one off the ice? And you know what? There, there are circumstances. Like, you've got class at 2 o'clock and we get off the ice at one forty. Like, you got to rush. Got to hustle, yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah. if you don't, like, what's stopping you from doing the extra work? Or if you don't have, if you do have class at 2 o'clock, wake up an hour earlier, get to the rink early and do something. You know what I mean? And it's the little things. And, and they've been great so far. And I just, uh, I just urge them to constantly want to get better. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think you're fulfilling your job as captain when you do that as well and call these guys out, which is, it's good to see. Yeah, finding a, finding a, a balance, and I'm sure that's probably what, what you try to do is finding a balance between, you know, the vocal leader that's getting on them if they're not doing it right and also praising them for, for doing it well, but also showing up every day and embodying that care and, you know, doing everything extra that you do. It's uh, trying to find that mix. Yeah. Well, you got to let them know that you care. Right. And like, I love my teammates. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. And like, and who doesn't? I might not tell them that every day, but they got to know <laughs> that. <laughs> I know. I can't always be the, be the bad cop. I got to, I pat them on the back sometimes. There like, you when go. They make a good play. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before we get to our, our fan questions, because we got some unbelievable entries I am on that. So happy how they ended up. Um, we just found out today, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, that you were nominated for the 2018-19 Senior Class Award, and that's an acronym, C-L-A-S-S. Dan, tell the people what that means. Uh, he was one of 15 NCAA men's ice hockey student-athletes selected as a candidate for the award, which honors student-athletes who excel both on and off the ice. Uh, also, just one of three student-athletes from ECAC Hockey selected as candidates, joining Princeton's Josh Tevez and Max Verano. Uh, to be eligible for the award, a student athlete must be classified as an NCAA Division I senior and have notable achievements in four areas of excellence, community, classroom, character, and competition. The four C's. Congratulations, first, of course, for being nominated for that. Um, thank you. Thank you. The acronym is Celebrating Loyalty and Achievement for Staying in School. So I mean, you know, the, I'm here. <laughs> I'm in school. There it is. We're we're currently in school, physically recording this, and uh, and still in school. But I mean, you know, what what is being recognized for an honor like that mean to you? Because I mean, you know, we we know how much you care about your academics, just as much as what happens on the ice. You know, what does an award like that mean mean to you? Being recognized like that? Uh, I mean, it's it's always great to be uh, be noticed for what you do, and I think a lot of it goes goes unnoticed which is fine but i mean uh to get recognition is uh i mean it's a great feeling i i uh, i don't really have anything to say i just think it's a great <laughs> award and yeah you know what uh whether i, I was nominated or not i, I still think i'd be doing the same thing and right. i think there there are hundreds of other seniors that could have been nominated for this and uh, i was just lucky they chose my name there you go there you go Humble as always. Um, so I think we're going to replace the before we go questions that I, that we'll normally do with the fan questions. All right. That uh, sounds cause, good. Because we've been, we've been running for a decent amount of time. So right. um, we're going to go through some of these questions. Thank you to everybody that responded back to the tweet from uh, the account. If you don't follow them already, it's QU underscore M-I-H. That's the men's hockey account. Make sure you follow them. Also follow QU Athletics. That's where you can see all the stuff about the podcast. That's us. Regardless. Um. <laughs> Um, the first one comes in from at Justin underscore Kate. He says, you can only keep two Halloween candies or snacks. This is a this is a lengthy list. So lock in M&M's, Reese's Cups, Hershey's Bar, 
Hershey's Cookies and Cream Bar. That's elite. That's the white bar. It's elite. Skittles, Smarties, or vegan kale chips. <laughs> Justin Kate, the Cali kid, yeah. throwing in the vegan kale chips. So you can keep two of those. Or you can also, I'm going to say you can also throw something else in because there were a few elite ones that were left off this list. All right. True. Uh can you add a couple in if you sure. if you're gonna if you're gonna modify the question for me? Yeah, go sure. for it. So throw so the two the two Halloween and candy snacks period that you would t- that you would take with you. Uh, you know what? It's this is kind of off the beaten track, but uh, bunch of crunch. Okay, if you've ever had them, that's elite. the crunch bar, like yes, the little balls. Yes, yes, the little yes, balls. Yes. They're elite. Anytime I go to a movie, those are a must have. Two, yes, they're a must have. Yes, so that's yes. got to be one. And you know what? Two. I'll probably go with Reese's Cups. Just uh, thank you. If he left that off, no, his I, list, I, I couldn't leave that. Right, out. I, you know, I was M and M's a close third. I'm a big pretzel M and M guy. Oh, so, they're uh, so good. Yeah. Have you ever had them, Dan? Oh yeah. Course, I think yeah. they're very underrated. Yes, they're yeah. underrated. I think the salt, the salty, and then chocolate combo, unbelievable. It yes. is unbelievable, and it is also underrated. Yeah. I mean, you. When I first met you freshman year, this isn't chocolate, but you had a huge thing of the chocolate peanut butter pretzels. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, any oh, the, any so salty mix of the pretzel yeah. and mix with anything so sweet good. is it's elite in your it is. in your words. Yeah, it is. there's no better way to describe it. Uh, okay, uh, Stephen Pappas, at Steve Pappas underscore 23. Uh, if you were standed, stranded on a de- uh, deserted island, what three things would you bring? Oh, that's a tough one. Yes. Uh, but you, you're creative. Like I feel like you're yeah. gonna be okay with this it's, question. It's uh, the the best. An- I'll tell you the best answer after. Okay. Uh, for those that have seen, I'll probably as of lately, I'll bring my blue light glasses, my toast spreaders, and probably a collection of books. Dude, you are obsessed with the toast <laughs> spreaders. I'm obsessed with them lately. That's it's coming actually. I think there's, there's another a question one. about yeah, it. Yeah, pretty Thank sure. Goodness. Um. The right answer was Dan Ball, Matt McAuliffe, and a microphone, but whatever. <laughs> oh, um, that would have been pretty good too. But. Uh, at I, I can't I can't fault you for the answer that you came up with though. Um, any any book in particular? Just a, like can you just have them kind of pre picked out for you? I, I did not know you were a huge huge book guy. Are you a Harry Potter guy? Um, I I love Harry Potter, so that would probably be probably one A. And one B would be Game of Thrones books. Ooh, uh, wow, okay. Game of Thrones. See, I'm thinking if I'm deserted on a on an island, you can't bring electronics. It's just not worth it. Yep, right. And you know what? If you're going to be one with nature, you might as well kick back, try to make a hammock, and read a book. <laughs> just enjoy it. You're, you're living the I'm, island life. Yeah, you're going to need to be able to kill some time. I mean, and those are some those are some girthy books that you're going to be yeah. you're yeah, going to be bringing. Yeah. Um, all right, so at uh, Devon Taves 6 asks, <laughs> rank from first to last, uh, Carvel, Kelly's, Dairy Queen, Milkcraft, and Arathusa? Yep. I'm sorry, Brajash, I, that seems to be your pick, but uh, I didn't know that one. Okay, so one's got to be Arathusa in right. New Haven. Okay. Really? I've it, never been. You have to go if you haven't been there. They have a dairy farm that they bring in the milk in the morning. Right. And it's the, just the best ice cream you'll eat. Okay, it's so one. rich and creamy. That's one. Uh, two has got to be Kelly's Cone Connection. Love ah, Kelly's yep. Cone. Kelly's Cone. Love it. Is so underrated in Hamden so if underrated. you haven't been. <laughs> the hot fudge there is so good. It's so good. Uh, I, I actually just put in for my own flavor there. Uh, sea salt caramel Oreo. So if you wow. go uh, take a look for that, that's coming soon. Uh, Are they going to like put your name on it? I don't know if they're putting my name on it, but uh, Kelly's making it. 
Oh, I put in a request, nice. so I'm pretty excited nice, about that. Dude. You're hyped. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how you know you made it, and you're like a Hamden legend. You can go get the Randwich and then have a little uh, <laughs> whatever the heck, sea, sea salt caramel Oreo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I they got them all. It, yeah, they should just call it like Chase's Caramel Collection or something like that. I wouldn't mind that. I might have to bring that up. I'll try to name it. Yeah. Uh, so Kelly's has got to be two. Millcraft is three. Carvel is four, and Dairy Queen is five. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry for all those. Uh, Dairy Blizzard, Queen is it's just fans. not a. It's not my cup of tea. All right. I'm not. A, I'm not a chain guy. I like uh, family operated stuff. Yeah. Oh wow. Like right. boutique sort of stores. <laughs> It's yeah. my thing. Like parlors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that is a That's great a word great for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to ask the, the serious one before I ask the joke one. Um, this is from uh, at Manch Marlins. So the Manchester Marlins up in mass. Uh, do you guys care about national rankings and does it matter besides tourney time? Uh, I'll answer the latter second for question first. Sure. Uh, do national rankings matter besides for tournament time uh no they don't matter at all until we get to the tournament so the usho polls in my opinion are great uh but at the end of the day it's what you're ranked in pairwise and i think that's the only thing that we keep tabs on uh and two uh like do we care about national rankings yes like obviously we want to be playing well enough hockey that we're always considered a a national like we've got national recognition but at the end of the day, no, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, like we know, like as a team, we've got goals for the season, but we also have short-term goals, and right. uh, we just we've got to have a short-term view. So, like right now, all we're worried about is Friday night at Harvard, and that's it. So, I mean, uh, I think it's kind of a two-part question. Like, we want to be playing, we want to be uh, one of the best teams in the country every year. Of course. And so, if that comes with the national recognition, then that's great. Uh, if not, then we've got to play better to earn that also i mean it's it, it pays to keep an eye on the pairwise because i think you guys were ended up ranked 16th in the uscho polls yeah, this week 15, yeah. 15. um yep. and you're ranked fourth in the pairwise so yep. there you there go it is. uh and the last one uh from at austin mac 91 are the t- are the spa toe separators your main reason for recent <laughs> success <laughs> uh i'd have to say yes do you okay. do it as like a recovery thing Sort of. So, uh, we're going to need a little back, a uh, little yeah, backstory. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, our strength coach, Prajesh Patel, always has people coming in. And I've been, uh, I've gotten to be really friendly with the uh, strength. I guess he's like the athletic trainer and strength coach for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, okay. uh, Joe Erdos. And he had been telling me about uh, these thing called toe spreaders. And because my, my foot is in a boot for two and a half hours every day. Right on an eighth of an inch of steel, like your feet just become so compressed, and those are a good way to kind of decompress your feet, okay. help build back back like your natural arc in your foot, and just like uh, it just helps relax your feet, and especially like when you're in shoes all day, like that's not how your feet are naturally supposed to be, right. constantly cramped next to each other. But I'll give it more of a two part thing. I've gotten really big into the recovery aspect of of just like after practice. So I wear my toe spreaders when I get home, just kind of hanging out, doing some work for my MBA classes. I've got my blue light uh, reflecting glasses on. So 
keeping the eyes fresh. So I gotta say, I'm, I got a pair of those in the summer. They work. I'm not wearing them now, but they're they no, really take they're, the pressure they're a game off changer. your eyes. Yeah. So before I, I would be, you're more. lying. No, I swear no, to God, I'm telling you, you got to invest in a pair. So I would, I got a pair of uh, Wait, like twelve bucks. No, well, some of them. I got a pair of Felix Grays, which are. Uh, Kind of an upscale pair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, I was always told like you got to get a pair. You got to get a pair, especially like if you're doing online classes and you're staring at your laptop six, eight hours a day. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then I finally got a pair. I just bit the bullet. I got them. Yeah. Uh, partially because they look good, but I also wanted like <laughs> yeah. if, like That's worst case scenario. Like, yeah. That's for me too. <laughs> worst case like, scenario, ah. I just wear them because they look good. Yeah. Right. And so I started using them, and I noticed that uh, when I took them off before bed, I was falling asleep way easier. Stop. And then, and then I'd stop wearing them and I had trouble falling asleep. It would take me 30, 40 minutes of me just laying in bed before I'd actually fall asleep. And then I kind of got into more of the research and it talks about how the blue light from the screens, uh, stops your body's ability from making the melatonin. And that's why like it, it naturally suppresses your, like your sleep cycle. And that's why it takes you longer to fall asleep. And I started wearing the glasses, and I've had no problem falling asleep. So I'm not sure if it's placebo or if it's real, and I'm also not a doctor. <laughs> so I've been wearing them, and it's been helping me sleep. So if it, if it helps me at, in any way, I might as well use them. Right. So the toe spreaders have been big lately, just helping my feet and helping my feet grip the ground. My blue light glasses to kind of help me sleep at night. Uh, I've got an acupuncture mat that I use on my feet so I can feel the ground, and I use it on my back, my neck. And then uh, Nick Germain, one of my teammates, just picked up this thing called a Hypervolt. And it's kind of like a miniature, I don't even know what to call it. It like massages your body. It's like a little gun. Okay. And it, oh, it's like a portable okay. massager and it massages okay. your body. And he got one of those. And I think that's going to be my next purchase because <laughs> they have them down in Washington. And while I was there in the summer, I'd use them all the time. So shy. I might just bite the bullet, go 45 bucks for these glasses. Yeah. Uh, it's it honestly, and I should start wearing them more because I, I didn't realize how much that, that specific benefit that you can get, but it does when you're doing work and especially when it's late and you've been doing a lot of work yeah. throughout the day, it kind of, it takes the pressure off a little bit because like, Again, like calm students, you're on your laptops. Technology's oh, yeah. Technology's big. Twitter's big. All yeah. three of us are currently staring at our laptops right yeah. now. <laughs> like, you know. Well, yeah, laptops are on. Yeah. yeah so maybe. Yeah. All right. And I, I know uh, I know with the glasses, I would like, because for the MBA program, like you spend a lot of time on your computer. Like you're in virtual teams and you're constantly like doing oh, work. Oh, man. I can't even imagine. And yeah. I would, I don't know why, but like I'd get back from practice, make my lunch and like three o'clock, I'd like open the laptop, plug it in and, and strap in and start going to work. And by six o'clock, it wouldn't even be like three and a half hours, like three hours. And I would start getting pain right behind my eyes. And it would just be like a shooting pain. And I'd have to shut my laptop and just like take a breather for like half an hour because my eyes would just hurt. Yeah. And I would wear the glasses and then, you know, what? I'd be plugging away for like four or five hours. No problem. Wow. Uh, so, I mean. All right. I'll look into them. Yeah, I sold, promise. Uh, yeah, sold. not sold, but you're, oh, you are sold. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll, I promise. Uh, I missed two really quick. Uh, Sam Annis at Sam Annis Seven. Uh, do you need a barbershop recommendation in Hamden? <laughs> wow. You know what? I uh, like his hair. <laughs> you know what? If Sa if Sam Annis wants to give me a recommendation, I'd never say no. <laughs> but uh, kind of growing out the beard, the hair right now we haven't lost, and I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. So, <laughs> I, uh, God. I had to, uh, I'm not going to the barbershop oh, anytime soon. Nice. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, actually Devon Taves 
at Devontae Six uh, responded again. Uh, who is better at speed work, you or Luke Shiplow? Oh boy, this is at L Shiplow. Well, this 24. is roommate on roommate. You see, he's trying to pin us against each other. He is. He was our third roommate in the summer when it, uh, when we took him in. Okay. okay. But uh, I'd have to probably say myself because <laughs> I have more of a free schedule to do speed work on more of a constant, uh, like consistent, twice a week, yeah. Yeah. more consistent basis uh, because uh, my roommate Luke Chippo is a biomedical marketing major. My God. So he is nonstop running from campus to the arena, back to campus for class. And I've never seen someone that has to grind so hard. So I'll give it, he definitely takes the cake on the academic portion. He grinds much harder than me, but I'm going to, I'm going to say myself on the, uh, the speed work. Okay. A little bit of an even split there. Wow. Some good questions. Yeah. Thank yeah. you everybody for sending in the questions and, we uh, hit everything from hockey to food. Dude. That was good. Oh my God. Toe warmers, glasses, food, hockey. I mean, what else do you need? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if any of my, oh, okay. Yeah. This, I'm going to ask one of my before we go questions and then we're done. Um, you're on death row about to be put to death. What is your last meal, dinner, drink, and dessert? Yeah. This is the biggest thinker <laughs> of a question that we have. Don't say it. I'm don't not, say you know it. what? I'm not going to say it. Uh, Matt and I actually previously talked about this. Like before we went on, I before was, we went yeah. on, we were just kidding about it. Uh, but you know what? He said, he goes, <laughs> Obviously, unlimited pasta and salad, so I'd never run out from Olive Garden, and I lost it. Uh, I'm not really an Olive Garden guy, but if I really didn't want to die, I'd just keep coming, and you know, I'd, yeah. I'd just be packing on the LBs. I'd just put it off as long as possible. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, if I had one meal left, I'd probably say just like from a really nice steakhouse, uh, yeah. like a 60-day dry aged ribeye with all the trimmings nice yeah and that's got to be it nice no uh any any drink dessert dessert's got to be some sort of cheesecake oh really? that's I an thought you unbelievable were... pick i thought you were going that ice cream such I, a good but pick. i really thought he was going ice cream i really did you know okay I, 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 can i ask you a cheesecake question yeah do you do you how, what kind of are, do you go with the regular like cheesecake with just the strawberry no, on I top like the, if you get the chance or do you go with the like the I go special off the board. stuff i go off you the know board. what it's tough because it really depends where i'm going so if i go somewhere where they have like a cheesecake yeah i say give me whatever you're best at how about okay. juniors juniors in new york they they are known for the cheesecake but their original one with the strawberries then that's what i'm doing okay and see i do that a lot like when i go to go out to restaurants like uh because i don't really go to chains i just like i don't even order i just say give me whatever you guys are best at Ooh, and okay. they bring like they bring me their dish right at what they're best at because like They've got to have that home run. <laughs> it's dish. a good strategy because they're probably like, "Oh, you want me to step up to the plate? I'll step <laughs> like up to they, the plate." Like they got to step yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the biggest thing. So I think uh, it depends. But if I'm going cheesecake, probably just just regular cheesecake. There you go. Yeah. That, yeah. That's because the one thing because when the cheesecake factory has like 50 different ones, yeah. but that's so you can chain. get like the Oreo one. Yeah. yeah, I don't really, you know, I don't really do chains that often. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I go to Eli's in Hamden, but I think there are only like four of them. So I, I don't know if I classify that as a chain. Yeah, but and also that's like the like the spot in Hamden, more or less. It is with a, all, it with is all due respect to anybody that may sponsor anything, like family style wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's also a great meeting point because everyone yeah. knows where that is. Oh yeah. Is. So it's like oh like let's go grab a bite. Yeah, and yeah. it's like it's right uh, in the center of everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Conveniently no located next to the police station. Um, and drink any drink. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm I'm usually just a water guy. Okay. Tall glass. 
Yeah. Yeah. But if I had to go cubed with, or crushed ice. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Definitely not crushed. I'd go cubed. Yeah. Same but God. if we were, but if I was having my last meal with, uh, with a dry aged, nice steak, steak yeah. I'd be going a nice glass of red wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got to live classy, it up if it's my last meal. Yeah, for the very yeah, classy. For yeah. the balance. For the balance. Well, Chase Prisky, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us today. And uh, best of luck heading into ECAC play. Thank, thank you, Chase. You. Thank you for having me. Had of a ton of, ton of fun. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Read all of the great content that they have. Get your roster, stats, scores, schedules, tickets, everything you may need. Make sure you follow all of the accounts on social media. It's at QUathletics on Twitter and at QU underscore M-I-H if you want to follow the men's hockey team. Matt, if we want to follow you, where can we? At mmcauliffe7 on Twitter and Instagram. Love that. All right. And uh, for myself, you can follow me at DanBall, B-A-H-L, on those same two fine establishments. We will see you next week for episode number seven. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. Mm-hmm.